Okay, welcome everyone. Today with me, I'm excited to introduce Tony Guarnacha. Tony is a widely recognized as an authority on digital marketing and has grown over 10,000 small businesses and about a dozen of Fortune 500 companies, including ADP, Ford, and Odonation. Tony has managed over $400 million in advertising spend and in 2009 earned the prestigious title of Google AdWords Reseller of the Year. Later, Tony returned to his entrepreneurial roots and founded Big Fish Results, Results Trained, and the Results Club to bring the same strategy, tactics, and resources normally reserved for larger enterprises to small business. He believes that by growing small businesses together, we can impact not just our local communities, but also the world. Tony, welcome. It's so great to have you on the show. Thank you so much. Really appreciate the, the opportunity to be here today. So Tony, tell, tell us a little bit about what it is that you do and how do you help small businesses grow and succeed? Yeah, thank you uh, for letting me share that. So what I do is I help businesses dramatically increase their revenue by reducing their costs. And really the way to put that easy is uh, by making businesses more profitable. And I do that through improving their their marketing. But not marketing and how many people think of it. A lot of people think of marketing as advertising, but as we'll probably discuss shortly, marketing is a whole lot more than just simply throwing some ads up online. Um, interesting. So um, yeah, I mean, um, I'm not a marketing person, so I think of marketing as primarily advertising, but also, um, but also um, branding, I guess. Um, what else do you do you have in mind? Yeah, such a great um, what, question. When you talk- uh, so, <laughs> back in school, uh, if I actually got a business degree, uh, and what they teach you is is the four Ps. They teach you things like product price, place, promotion, which still is viable today. But a lot of times people just forget about those other P's. They just go right to the promotion. And so it's really all encompassing because marketing, if you look at the roots of it and the actual definitions by the grandfathers of this, like a guy like Philip Coulter, who literally wrote the original textbooks on a lot of this, he talks about how it's satisfying buyers' needs at a profit. So literally in the original definitions of marketing from the gurus the you know from years ago they were talking about profitability even back then but for some reason businesses are so focused on the promotion because that's what's seen they totally neglect the area, other areas to the ne- neglect of their growth and their business and their their sustainability That's um it's actually it makes a lot of sense and I like that it's um I like that it's satisfying a business's need for profit. That makes a lot of sense. It's it's actually mind blowing to be honest with you. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I've never heard it um, or seen it to be positioned that way. I mean, I guess it's kind of um, normal for an accountant, but um, <laughs> but you talk about. So, what do you exactly do with the businesses that you work with? What do your companies, big fish results and results trained and results club. What, what, what do you do there? How do you work with small businesses? Yeah, we w- work in a variety of ways. Um, and we kind of, the way I always think about it is there's three ways to really serve our clients. One is by doing everything for them, which is why I created an agency 
a marketing agency called Big Fizz Results. The other way, of course, is to help them, which is why I created a coaching and um, consulting program called Results Club. And then the third way, of course, is to let people do it completely on their own with less guidance. And that's why I created a training company called Results Train. But throughout, we have the same systems and processes that I've developed over the past decade that I use and leverage with some of the best companies in the world, like Google, like ADP, like Ford, like some of the ones we already mentioned. Mm-hmm. That's, a, that's really cool. Um, so what would you say is the biggest problem for small businesses when it comes to marketing? Yes, that's a great question. Uh, so what they most businesses fail to get momentum. And so back in the late, gosh, I'm trying to remember when this was, maybe it was the late 90s, there was kind of a seminal business book that was called Good to Great. And in that book, um, Jim Collins talks about creating a flywheel effect. And so a flywheel is where you get momentum in a business and it's able to grow and scale and it's healthy. Unfortunately, for most small businesses, their flywheel is broken. And so what they really need to do is create what I call a results flywheel. And that results flywheel is really dependent on how they leverage their their three things, their time, their effort, and their money. If you, if you allocate and prioritize those different areas in the correct way, you'll start to get momentum. And the way you do that is by taking the correct steps. So the book I have coming out is called Small Steps to Grow Profits. And the reason why I called it that is because there's very specific steps they have businesses have to take in order to get success. So it's not just a matter of taking steps. You have to take the right steps, know when to take the steps, how to take the steps. And that's something I can go into in more detail if you like. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, um, what I would love to, you know, to for you to share um, some of those steps and maybe if someone is listening who is thinking about their marketing strategy, what they want to do, if they're just starting out or kind of early or early into the business and maybe haven't been really paying attention to marketing or maybe just haven't been paying attention to um, a couple of things, including marketing, and maybe have been thinking about it from a different perspective, that it's an expensive a thing that I don't have money for or something to that, to that nature, yes. maybe the one thing that you could advise them something like a starting point, um, where would they start? What would they, what would you recommend them to think, to think about and to strategize first? Yes. No, that's a fantastic question. I love that question. Uh, so let me tell you a story and how that, and how this might, um, answer that question. So back in the late 1930s, there was another pandem- pandemic going on. Uh, it was called polio. And unfortunately, at the age of nine months old, my mother contracted polio. And so she was unable to walk until the age of 14 years old. And so pretty much her whole childhood was spent in a hospital, quarantined away, just like many people are today, uh, un- unable to you know, reach out to loved ones, communicate with them, or even see them much. Uh, in addition, back then, they even had ventilators, which they called iron lungs. And so growing up, I asked my mother, I said, how, how in the world did you make it through that time? Like, how did you, you know, sustain yourself and, and be able to come out through this and, and ultimately be able to walk? And uh, really, at the end of the day, how are you that resilient? 
And so what she shared with me is that you have to take small steps. You have to break things down and make it manageable so that you're able to have success. And so in the hospital, they gave her what those steps were. So she had to go and um, learn pottery, uh, swimming, things like that, that would help her nervous system and build up her strength so that Mm -hmm. step by step she was able to walk. Now you might be wondering, that's a great story. How does this apply to business? Well, that methodology is the same thing that helps any business become more resilient, to grow, to scale. And that is really three things. The first one to get that results flywheel we talked about is knowing what steps to take. Then you need to know how to take those steps. And then finally, you have to actually take the steps. You have to take action. So the the one thing that I find most businesses are missing, to answer your question, mm-hmm. they're missing the what. Most people want to go right into the how. They want to take action and they want to just kind of think very tactically. They want to say, okay, how do I start a podcast? How do I do SEO? How do I do advertising? Without first addressing the what. So what do they want to accomplish? What is their goal? When do they want to hit it by? Uh, and, and more importantly, many times is why. So people miss the what and the why. And so if I had advice to give to a startup or a business in crisis or pretty much any business out there, chances are they're not looking at their strategy. They're not thinking about what they want to accomplish because that should really come first before they start executing or even uh, you know taking action in any way at all. Yeah, I agree. I totally agree. It's um it's a great um it's a great approach and I um think that I also recommend this to people from the financial perspective um to first plan and then act kind of. Correct. Um so it makes makes a lot of sense totally. So, um I know that we are kind of in this pandemic situation now and I was wondering what what's your opinion in terms of what's the one thing that small business should be doing during the crisis and that they aren't doing? Yes. Uh, so I think they should be planning, but we just talked about that. So I'll go in another direction, kind of based off of our earlier conversation. So we were talking a little bit about Profit First and uh, Mike McAllowitz and, and kind of what he stands for. And I think he his books are great reading, uh, especially when it comes to what businesses should be doing right now. And really what they should be doing right now is focusing on their profitability and their cash position. And really, I think about it in really two simple terms. How much, which is your profitability, how much money you have coming in, and when. When is it coming in, which is a lot of times people think about cash flow. And so you should be maximizing those two areas right now, which we can go into detail on that as well. But that's my thought is how much money you have and when is it coming is is the key thing to focus on in a situation like this. Yeah. Um, cash is king for sure. Yeah. Have you seen or have you kind of advised businesses um, that you work with as um, as a coach kind of how to pivot in in you know during this pandemic? I mean, there are a lot of different pivoting strategies, but have you come across any interesting kind of case studies or stories that you can share or and are willing to share um, specifically uh, where businesses pivot? Yes. Yes, absolutely. Uh, so one of the things that we talked about is steps. And so um, 
I shared kind of my methodology, but I actually created a framework on how to address these questions, especially in times like this. And what it is, it's called the results loop. And so the results loop looks at the six factors, or if you want to call them steps, that's fine too. It's the six six stat, uh, factors that every business should look at because those factors are what drive their growth. And so the six factors are, number one, the markets you serve. Number two, uh, the products and services you're providing those markets, are otherwise known as offerings. Third, your value, so the value you're pro- providing to those markets and with your offerings, um, that is how you, you're driving results for your customer clients or patients. Number four is your um, number of buyers you can grow in the process for doing that. And then looking at the size of those buyers, their lifetime value, and finally, finally their loyalty. So how often are they coming back? And so if a business needs to pivot, they have to evaluate their new strategy based on those six factors. So for instance, I'll give you, I'll actually use myself as an example. I have a marketing agency. A lot of times um, in this environment, marketing is decreasing because there's yeah. not as much demand, businesses are closed. One of the first things that get cut is marketing. So what do I need to do to pivot? Well, the first thing I did was look at my markets. So are there other markets that are still thriving? Because not every business is challenged right now. Some markets are doing fantastic, like medical uh, areas, for instance. They're doing fantastic. And so that's the first thing I evaluate. Then what products and services can I provide? Right now is a fantastic time to be focusing on building community, which is why I created the Results Club, which takes a lot of times what I used to charge ten, twenty thousand dollars for and and provides it on a membership level for like a you know a dollar trial. So literally it's giving some of my best stuff for almost nothing. Why would I do that? Well, it gets people in to my world and also creates buyers for the future. Uh, and then looking at my value. So if what's your value proposition for the new world? So if people aren't coming into restaurants anymore, how can you change? I saw exa- a great example there where someone's restaurant was closed. He happened to have a huge parking lot and he, tr- and he t- basically turned that parking lot into a drive-through movie theater and then was able to bring food to their cars and still sustain themselves. Nice. So thinking, you know, if you need to pivot, where I would start is saying, okay, are we using the same markets uh, or different ones? Based on that, is our product mix going to change? Which I say product mix because that's the terminology, but it applies just as well to service-based businesses. And that would be, should we should we charge more? In some cases, you can charge more. Sometimes you, you charge less. Well, how could you do that? Well, can you take a piece of your product splinter it off, you know, take a small, smaller part of it and do it at a lower price point, you know, change the timing of it, change the amounts. So there's all sorts of ways that people can be creative. And at the end of the day, the key thing is to provide value. You have to make sure, especially in times like this, you provide a, a t- tremendous value. How do you quantify that? Well, at least a 10 time, 10 times return, you know, time, 10 times benefit for what it's costing them. That makes it more appealing to your ideal audience and that is what drives results, which will ultimately get them to purchase from you more. Yeah, later. Um, right. So, yeah, absolutely. It makes a lot of sense. I mean, it's great, um, great stuff. And um, 
I'm just thinking of what would, and this is a great example of turning, turning your parking lot into a drive-through movie theater with, you know, and serve food. It's, it's amazing. Um, and that's how businesses or should think, I guess. Um, I think there is a way to pivot almost every business. Um, even like, like I'm curious to know about the hospitality industry and also, um, um, the event planning, which is also, I guess, uh, kind of in the same, in the same ballpark. Um, do you have any opinions on how you see those businesses pivoting businesses who depend on tourists on events and, and, you know, event planners and so on? Yes, that's uh, that's a very difficult market. We've had some clients in that area, uh, and so it's very challenging. Um, I think the place to start is by evaluating what business are you in. And so from a marketing perspective, there is an old story that talks about what is someone buying when they buy a drill? So are they buying a drill? Not really. They're buying a, a hole. And so that hole could be created with a laser, could be created with a, you know, a, a, um, uh, you know, a, a rod, you know, pounding it out. It could be, you could use a nail. I mean, there's a million ways to create a hole. So why is someone buying a drill? And even deeper for that, why do they need it? So are they using that hole to, to put a picture up? Is it to build a house? Is it to impress somebody because they have a vacation home? Or is it for a family member? You know, so deep, going deeper into the why. And I think businesses are wise to re- to really evaluate what are they selling because that's where the creativity comes from to pivot. And so, for instance, if you look at yoga studios, a lot of them are transitioning to be online because at the end of the day, people still want to be flexible and healthy. So they, they were able to adapt from being offline to being online. So this is where I think businesses that have a lot of fixed assets, you know, like a company, like airlines, like travel, they have to really think through what do they want to actually be and what is their business model. So when you have, for instance, those jets and travel, that's a huge cost and they're just yeah. sitting there. And and, and 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 just because people aren't using it doesn't mean the cost for maintaining them goes down because they still have to maintain them. So a business that you wonder why, why is Tesla works worth so much more than some of these old manufacturers? Why is Apple work worth so much? Cause they're Apple. Think about Apple is a great example. They're a manufacturer at the end of the day, but they've transitioned more and more to service-based businesses. So they're not really as harmed by this cause they, they um, d- differentiate. So really evaluating your business model and say, okay, how is this going to work in the new world? And even in the old world, because there's a reason why these companies that have more diversity and more digital delivery are worth some more. I mean, look at Amazon. Before Amazon, people thought of books as being physical products. Now, all of a sudden, you can download it instantly. And so much higher profit margins, better customer experience because you can get it instantly. You can you can kind of mouse over and highlight things. So I think about, to answer your question what business are you in and how do you change? Do I have an example? It really would be difficult at this point because we each business is different, but I would advise any travel company, like for instance, virtual travel, like can you put goggles on and, and use something like Facebook's um, virtual reality? 
to create a travel experience. I mean, things with sports are doing that too, right? So with sports, a lot of uh, you're getting, you know, the cardboard cutouts in the stands and people are getting more virtual experiences. You know, they can't be there, but they can be there in a virtual sense. So thinking broader like that is is the direction to go. Yeah. I mean, I've heard about, uh, I guess, event planning, people organizing like remote weddings and creating an experience virtually. I mean, right. it's different, but it's still, it's still a wedding if, you know, so it's definitely, there's definitely a way to, to pivot, but I'm not sure how to like for air, an airline, like you said, or for a hotel, how would they really pivot in this scenario? It's, it's gonna, it's gonna be hard. I mean, it is hard already for them. Yeah, they they have to think about different ways, but I mean to go back for the to the event planning. I know of event planners that were you know uh, planning virtual events. They're actually making more money now off the virtual events because the costs are so much lower. So I think again, wow. looking holistically and not just looking at the revenue you're getting in, but what are your costs? The costs of doing a uh, offline event are very high. If you can move that online and recreate the experience through technology. A lot of times, I mean, I've been to virtual conferences now, and sometimes they're better because you can do breakout rooms, you can meet people through, uh, you know, breakout rooms on Zoom, for instance, and a lot of times it can be better, and and you don't have to go and travel and all that. So there are ways to pivot your model. Some are not, and some, you know, frankly, may not survive. Like airlines, it's going to be very difficult. Um, I mean, you still need them, so I don't. I think they'll get bailed out, but you know, I think regardless, from a small business perspective. You know, you need to think about how do you how do you adapt to be more virtual. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, and it's great suggestion. So I think I hope that um, people listening can actually come up with ideas. I think it's all about ideas and um, and just kind of brainstorming. That would be a great start, right? Do you agree? Yes, and I think that's why. I mean, my framework is very useful for that because it. I think brainstorming is great, but you need to have some, you have to have some lines to draw within because you'll actually be more creative. And that's why I think starting at first saying, okay, who's our market? Then what do they want? You know, what products and services can we provide them? So just taking those parts of the framework and thinking at that level specifically, that's going to drive creativity because you can look at other, you know, where I would use um, the model is say, okay, what other what are competitors doing? What are other industries doing? And getting inspiration from them and modeling some other people because other people are working to figure out these same problems in other industries. A lot of times, the greatest cre- creativity comes from simply looking at other other industries and verticals and modeling something within your own area that would work in a similar way. Yeah, I mean, Mike McCallowitz actually, you know, since we've mentioned him. He um, has shared a number of times in in uh, at the different events that I've attended that he actually would at- used to attend uh, different industry conferences to see to see if there are any approaches that are different to apply to his um, industry or to just businesses that he works with and so on. So, yes, so it's a great strategy, I think. Absolutely, yes. absolutely. A lot of the best industries, like for instance, like uh, production. Uh, I have an article of this on my blog about this. But if you look at Ford Motor Company, the whole idea of manufacturing and the and the you know kind of the conveyor belt systems that came from the beef industry. Looking looking at like how meat is processed, that's where they got the idea. If you look at um, loyalty programs, 
like the airlines, they stole that from offline, you know, programs, you know, and so there's a lot of borrowing from other areas and that's really where innovation comes from. It's not a bad thing. It's a great thing to look at other industries. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And he actually has a, a term for it. He calls it a, a rip off and duplicate. Um, <laughs> okay, very cool. <laughs> Yeah, it makes a lot of sense. So, I mean, it's definitely, it's not really stealing. It's more um, getting the idea to apply to your own industry, to your own business. So there's nothing wrong with that. No, no, not at all. And I guess my last question for you for today would be, um, what are some of the red flags that you see that signal that a business is in trouble? Yeah. So I would look at your cash position and seeing when is that money coming in and how much is coming in. So, uh, are you, are, are your, um, supply or the, your clients or customers paying you later and later? Are you receiving that money later and later? Are your expenses, is it taking long, longer for you to pay your expenses? You know, things like that are, are red flags. So one of the things I did when the pandemic hit, uh, I got on the phone right away. I negotiated with my vendors and some of them, I mean, it's just a no brainer. No, no matter what position you're in, you should be doing this. So for instance, I called my web hosting company and said, do you have any special rates given the pandemic? And they're like, yes, as a matter of fact, we're doing a 50% off for the next two months. Boom. I just saved a bunch of money there. I called up, you know, QuickBooks because I was paying monthly. And I said, well, it wouldn't be that much more upfront to just pay for the year. Uh, what if I just got that and I got a, a decent discount off of that? So just going through and looking at your your statements and saying, okay, where can I save money? But also, where am I wasting money? There's a, there was a ton of subscriptions I had that I wasn't even really using anymore. So cutting those out, evaluating your 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 team, are they working on the right things? Or do you need the same vendors? Do you need the same outsourcers? So just evaluating where you're at is a great way to save that money. Uh, but those are, you know, kind of the solutions. The red flags is obviously the money's getting less; it's coming in later. So looking at your cash flow and again that how much you have in the bank. That's great. That's great. Great tips. I agree with them absolutely. Cash is king. Yes, <laughs> we, I was I was taught that early in the in the accounting classes. Cash is king. Absolutely. <laughs> All right, Tony, thank you so much for uh, for agreeing to appear on the show and uh, for your insight. And it's it's just been really great. And I actually am thinking about marketing differently now. So I thank you for that too. You're welcome. You're welcome. It's it's kind of my, actually my mission, my purpose is to democratize marketing. That's kind of my whole purpose is because most people sadly don't know what marketing is. So you're totally not alone. Most people I, I talk to absolutely think of it as advertising and branding, but there's so much more to it. And, and that's kind of what I'm trying to help educate people on because sadly, 70% of small businesses close within just 10 years. I believe one of those reasons is because they're just not focusing on profitability, their cash position, and really marketing from a holistic level. So thank you for giving me the opportunity to share that with your audience. Yeah, absolutely. It's been a great pleasure. Thanks so much. You're welcome.